the Bible Study Podcast, episode 622. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Nehemiah with chapter 2. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. In this episode, we pick up the story of Nehemiah. Remember last session, last episode, we found out that Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king, to the king of Persia, to the emperor, to Artaxerxes. Now, there were two different Artaxerxes, which gives us a little bit of confusion, but chapter 2 continues like this. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I sat a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple, and for the city wall, and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests." So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, and I gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat and Heronite and Tobiah the Amorite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And so we see this first part here that Last time, he became aware of the problem of Jerusalem, that the walls and the city gates were still destroyed. The walls had holes in them, the city gates had been burned, and therefore the city was unsafe. He decided that not just should he pray for this, but that he should pray that God would use him to fix this. And so he spent some time in the last chapter praying that the emperor would be receptive to this. So That's what precedes this, and then he goes into the emperor, and the emperor sees that he's sad. And it shows what kind of close relationship they have that the emperor cares. This is the emperor of Persia. It's a fairly big empire, and he sees this servant, this cupbearer, as he's bringing the wine and says, you're sad. What are you sad about? You know, basically, how can I fix it? It's a good relationship between the two of them. And at this point, it's clear that Nehemiah has prayed about it, he's thought about what he wants to do, and he has a plan already in place if the king will say yes. If the emperor will send him, when the emperor says, what can I do? He says, you know, I already gave him a time period, how long I would be gone, and then I had in mind who he should send letters to and how he could aid this particular task of rebuilding the wall. And so he had spent some time thinking about what he should do. Then he goes back, 
he sent an escort with army officers and cavalry to get him back to Jerusalem. In part, that might be so that he would not have to walk there. He would go there on a horse, and therefore he would come back quicker, because the king does want him to return to the capital in Susa. And then at the end of that section, we get the hint of the the first hint of what's going to go on here in this book, and the conflict in this book is that there are some people who don't want to see Jerusalem rebuilt, and that is some of the neighbors, the Horonites and the Ammonites, and some of these people are disappointed that someone is coming to promote the welfare of Israel. And it continues, Nehemiah inspects Jerusalem's walls. I went to Jerusalem after staying there three days. I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal wall and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as of yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Jeshem, the Arab, heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? They asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. And so we see in this section the beginning of this opposition. And it starts with just taunting. It starts with, what are you doing and are you rebelling? And that suggestion that can often get that work to stop if they could get in the mind of the officials that this is the people of Israel rebuilding the wall so they can rebel against the emperor. And remember, that's how it was stopped. The rebuilding of the temple was stopped in the first book, in the book of Ezra that we just went through, was this this rumor that they were doing this because they were going to be unfaithful to the king. Now, it helps that someone who the king has shown favor on is the one leading the rebuilding. Now, if you have been to Jerusalem, you may not recognize the names of these different gates as Nehemiah makes this special nighttime circuit around the city to look at the different gates and to look at what the wall is like now. He does this in secret because he hasn't told anybody the plans yet. But if you didn't recognize any of these, maybe the Dung Gate would be the only one that's familiar. There is in the city wall of Jerusalem now still a gate called the Dung Gate. It's the gate closest to the western wall. But these are different walls than you will see when you go to Jerusalem. The walls that you see when you go there now are walls that were built well after the time of Christ. And we know that because 
there are maps and plans for what the city looked like before, but also the city has moved over time. We know that at the time of Christ, the Christian quarter of Jerusalem was outside the walls. When Jesus was crucified at Golgotha, when he was buried there at what is now the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, that was all outside of the old city walls at his time. And his time would have been the same walls that we're talking about rebuilding here. And the city went more down the hill. The city of David was more to the south from the Temple Mound. And so the walls are in different places, the the gates are in different places, and that's why you wouldn't recognize some of these, even if you're familiar with this old city of Jerusalem today. Nehemiah has done his preparation, he now has a plan, and he now takes it to the people and says, we should rebuild. And they follow his leadership and they said, let's start. And so they have begun the work, and let's see what happens with this opposition when we pick up the story next week. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave your comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. In a recent survey, parents reported that 52% of homeschooled children need learning accommodations. These parents need practical advice, encouragement, and hope to fuel their homeschooling efforts. The Empowering Homeschool Conversations podcast is where parents gain wisdom on how to teach unique learners successfully at home, like Laura, who recently told us, I needed this episode. I don't need a fancy curriculum or need to be a special ed teacher to teach my son. You have given me hope. To listen now, go to Life Audio or search Empowering Homeschool Conversations on your favorite podcast app.